one who keeps the bosses in power? Would you like to see a picture of my kids? And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Fritz the Cat. He's coming your way at this cinema. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Oh man, I feel a bad trip coming on. Maybe I should watch a cartoon. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this idiocy? Hey, Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration, or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready! the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment. Virginia, summon the subject. Washington Square Park, 1960. Oh, wow. Why do I have a tail? Uh, this is weird. They always get here before us. For goodness sakes, Emilio fucking Largo! He's not a supervillain. He's just a guy in a eye patch such posers they don't know anything about taking over the world oh it's you hey um got any yeah, milk I'm, I'm not not feeling this virginia i'm not feeling this uh let's turn off this filter and go back to the 
the hideout. I'm kind of liking being a cat. Alright. Shut up or you'll get no kibble. Well, that was weird. So, Lab Monkey. This is a very unusual film that we're about to talk about because it's probably the only one, but maybe I can think of maybe three animated features that we could talk about in this podcast about Grindhouse Cinema. What would be the other two? My, my guess would one of them would be Heavy Metal. I was th I, I, okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, um, Coonskin. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, okay. Ralph Baskey. <laughs> right. I'm thinking Heavy Traffic. Oh, more Ralph Baskey. Oh, Ralph yeah. Baskey. This is going to be a lot about Ralph Baskey, people. And I'm also thinking of Dirty Duck. I... They made a Dirty Duck movie? Yes. Yes, there is a Dirty Duck movie. Holy holies. There is How did I never... He I've never even... I mean, I have my wall of shame. That's why yeah. I'm here. I've never heard of a Dirty Duck movie. I want to see a Dirty Duck movie. Okay. I am a Dirty Duck. And there is also... But the thing is, I don't think this quite counts. There is an animated feature called Gums, which is an X-rated film about a uh, fellatio-loving mermaid. Oh yeah, it was a it was a parody of Jaws. Yes, <laughs> ostensibly. Um, featuring the I have seen Gums. Oh, you have okay. Featuring yes, the it's terrible. Of Brother Theodore, who I actually got to see do oh, his live show once. You lucky, lucky man! Oh. I love me some bro Brother Theodore. Was my introduction to Brother Theodore. As most people my age would be David Letterman. Right. And he would come on the David Letterman show. But the first time I saw Brother Theodore was almost exactly like the first time that I saw Andy Kaufman when he did the Mighty Mouse thing oh. on, on um, Saturday Night Live, where I was just like, this person is a genius. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that was, he was like, he was one of the first people that's just like, this guy is in character and committed <laughs> and angry and do it till the cows come home you ate off their legs <laughs> do i got that right he, yeah he he is he is one of the masters of the universe as far as i'm yes. concerned right up there with gene gene the dancing machine do his, do his live show on 13th street between fifth and uh park uh, um, and he does the whole, the whole thing about the cows and, but anyway, so yeah, we're actually not talking about Brother Theodore, although I'm sure we could. Um, we are actually talking more about Ralph Bashi, and to be precise, we're talking about Fritz the Cat, the first X-rated cartoon, although it's kind of hard to figure out why now. Now it would be, it's... It'd be it would, like an R. 
It could, it could, yeah, it's got peepees in it, though. Yeah. And peepees are, peepees usually I've up the ante. In our, in our rated films. It, yeah. You but know. there's a lot of peepees. There's a lot of wiggly little yeah. cop peepees and Fritz peepees. And the, the, the peepees fly in this. Yeah. In this although, they, although I think that they would have some problems releasing it today due to some of the content. Because oh, one thing we, I have learned by watching this and, and is that Ralph Bossy hates humanity. He and sure has, does. And as such, no type of humanity is spared. So we get some really bad Jewish stereotypes and some black stereotypes. And Everything is a stereotype. Yeah. Every, every single thing in it is a cartoon stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to find his black stereotypes. He definitely thought about it more. Mm-hmm. And didn't like have a white actor doing or a black right. actor doing step and fetch it. Mm-hmm. He just got he. It, 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 sometimes the conversations, just mm-hmm. like in Coonskin, sound right. like he went to a barber shop and just record. It sounds like he sat people in a natural situation and had them act out the roles. So it sounds like somebody's just sitting in a bar recording two people there talking. There are at least two, maybe three points in this film where I think he. It was honestly he found found uh, audio that he right just right that he, he just uh, now uh, do you remember the Hubley the, mm-hmm. the 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 Hubleys they did that a video they used to play it on HBO a lot called Cockabooty mm-hmm. where where they just recorded their ki- their two little toddler daughters playing with each other mm-hmm. and then edited it down and animated to the you know just improvised natural dialogue right and there's parts of this that, that feel like cockabooty yeah because there's the, there's the the opening scene with the with the construction workers actually that, that's the one thing i think that might not pass which is the the piss because there's a lot of piss in this film too yes and and yeah buckets Bucket. <laughs> splashy yeah. The, the, I mean, the opening credits are just following a golden... Following a trail of piss, yes. Trail of piss, uh, you know. And uh, I, I, I actually, this sounds like a good point for me to tell my... Uh, uh, I kind of okay. cheated on this. This is one I've seen and intensely seen. <laughs> okay. Fritz the Cat was the, the, the opening gambit into one of young young Honeywell's early... LSD um, experiences in back in the in the late 80s. <laughs> um, I left my dorm room and gone to visit some friends who always had a good supply of weird media, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, my roommate had gotten some LSD from a friend of his that he'd gone to high school with, who was going to college somewhere else, and she had sent it to him, and. It, on the on the pieces of LSD, it had this like really suspicious brown stain. Right. And so we were all kind of sketchy about it, but now nah, you know we we're twenty right. years old or you know nineteen years old, twenty years old. What the hell? Twenty one so, and invincible. Yeah. Yep. So we all take the acid and we go over to our friend's house and 
sit down on the couch and we're going to hang out a little while before we go walking around or doing something. And uh, he says, oh, I got a movie. Oh, what movie did you get? He goes, Fritz the Cat. So immediately my head explodes because mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know that Fritz the Cat's the first X-rated cartoon, blah, 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 blah. And the, yeah. the Ralph Bashke is just like, yeah, yeah, we'll watch Fritz the Cat. And I'm just like, oh, boy, <laughs> I'm going to be on LSD watching Fritz the Fritz Cat. Cat. This is going to be hilarious and fun. Mm-hmm. Big R- I'm a big R. Crumb fan, too. Right. And big Ralph Bashke fan. So then Fritz the Cat starts. And then this... This LSD, which upon further taking of it was not conducive. It was weird. It was like the 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 Woodstock saying, "Don't take the brown acid. You right. shouldn't taking this brown acid." And then we sat through Fritz the Cat, mm-hmm. which, if anybody's seen the movie, all around the edges of this movie are psychedelic. Right. Colors and, you know, things. seems to have been tie-dyed. Yes. And as I'm watching it, you know, I'm wondering to myself, am I tie-dying this movie or is the movie tie-dying it? And then we get that. What what made me think of this is Ralph Bashke doesn't like people. So this isn't a fun-loving cartoon. This is some this is some borderline misanthropy if not full out misanthropy right. oh it's, yeah <clears throat> but it's all animals <laughs> but anyway you get but i got the point and it was you know so all of a sudden there were these people who were going to watch a cartoon who were just sort of riveted to the set to the you know to the tv set and Things are getting intense, and you know people are dying. <laughs> Crows are dying, and and We're seeing bullet holes. And 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 in this, just uh, you know, and the scenes with the the um, amphetamine. Um, I guess she's a horse yes. character. Yes, Harriet. Harriet the horse. And 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 the and the and the methed out tweaking rabbit. You know, by that point, we were just like globs of jelly, just like, yeah. <laughs> make the, <laughs> this is just awful. <laughs> yeah. And uh, later that day, I ended up talking to God, having an internal conversation with God where he told me to take off all my clothes and uh, oh dear. and go out and tell everybody that we were uh, all all one in the universe. And I had my Star Trek five moment where I where. <laughs> The where does God, why does God need a spaceship? Where I just went, wait a minute, that sounds like a bad idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't I get, don't I end up like in a ward at the end of that, that yeah. scenario? That's what I think, God, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> well, so luckily I, I, I pulled myself out of the, the, the naked proselytizing yeah. after, for, maybe it was Fritz the cat that, that kept me from doing it, but. Boy, what an intense movie. It's odd. Um, And the thing is, you're right. Bouncy had only, I think, one thing in mind. He wanted to to make adult cartoons. That's his only thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why, like, the closest thing we've ever had to to, to him doing, like, a kid's cartoon is something like the first Lord of the Rings or the, uh, The Wizards. Yes, you know? it, cinematically, cinematically, yeah. or, or 
I, I was gonna say maybe Cool World. Oh, but Cool World is Cool World is perverted. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is seriously perverted. Yeah, because he went and saw Roger Rabbit and he said, "I could do you know that." What the wor- yeah, I could do that, and I should do that because I'll I'll do it correctly, which is right. perverted. Because he's because he's Ralph Basky. There's no, it's no coincidence that Ralph Basky ended up like his like sort of understudy was uh, John Chris Felucci. <laughs> you know, I mean, Chris Felucci worships Ralph Basky, and you can right. you can tell. You know. So, um, but of course, the problem is in this culture, in, in American culture. We, and the 70s were, were a time when there were a, a several attempts at adult cartoons, because you had uh, uh, Watership Down at mm-hmm. that time. Um, but the thing is, the perception is just uh, cartoons are for all ages. They are supposed to be for kids. So no matter how hard um, Bossy or the people at Nelvana with rock and rule and mm-hmm. uh, the heavy metal movie that you that you briefly mentioned tried to push it push on it not interested american public is not interested in adult cartoons as a kid i was interested in adult cartoons basically i was gonna say i was super interested in heavy metal i wanted to see heavy metal super bad another one i saw in the theaters so I, I went to see Stripes with my father, and that was mm-hmm. they had the trailer for that before it, and it had boobs right. and swearing. It had the scene with Harold Ramis and uh, Eugene Levy is smoking pot, aliens yeah. smoking pot and swearing, and boobs with a little with a little robot. And yeah, I was just like, oh my god, what is this? And my and <laughs> I could tell my dad, my dad was not interested, or I probably right. would have seen heavy metal. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, I think the point, he, even though, like, he, he doesn't side with anybody. He just can't, Basti can't stand anybody in this film. Uh, what's funny is, have you seen American Pop? Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I, I, think I think I've seen all his movies. Which I think is the closest we ever get to an affectionate Ralph Basti film. Right, because it's sort of about him in a way. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it, 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 it's, but um, I think the main message is liberal white boys are idiots. Yes, yeah, and, you know, I, I, it, it's funny because R. Crumb disavowed this movie. He hated yeah. it, hated it, hated it, but, yeah. but it's, it's like, um, adapting harlan ellison or something right <laughs> you know he's gonna hate it because i mean let's face it our crumb is pretty mis- pretty much yeah. very much like basky and that he hates everybody and i think the difference between basky and our crumb is i think our crumb hates himself more than basky <laughs> hates himself but they still hate everybody else and so it wasn't, I mean, there's whole scenes in Fritz the Cat that are just lifted right from the the comic book. Dialogue, right. word for word, you know. And then there's the parts that, you know, obviously have the Bashki coloring to them, you know, the flavor to them. But 
they to me they meld seamlessly <laughs> they it, it it's um he's like pretty much the perfect animator that you know it's not like you're gonna get don bluth to do fritz the cat and have it be uh <laughs> anything our crumb would like or even yeah. i would like but you know i think i mean i think the material was dark and 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 just sort of hated all its character was was basically there to point out the flaws of its characters and the food the the the, you know if it had any kind of levity it was just in the general foolishness of the human race right but not in any kind of happy happy way just in a dark humor sort of sort of way but yeah yeah fritz for all the stereotypes in there fritz gets basically skewered the most like the the black characters actually in in bashki movies are usually the characters who are when when you meet them they're sort of in control of their situation Mm. you know they're the ones that are like the rash the the voice of reason in his movies Mm. and and it's it's always it's always the white people that are coming and messing everything up fritz the cat is like the ideal that scene when i watched it was like one of the most intensely crushing scene when he goes to the bar and befriends the, the old yeah. crow uh sort of bb king like crow yeah. and pool player and ends up getting him killed and his death scene is one of the most just amazingly represented like symbolic representations of somebody dying Right. From this simultaneously outside and inside their point of view, mm-hmm. and it's so, like it was so intense. It's I, every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh Jesus, this is you know, it it gets into like, I I start feeling like it's like we're in the world of serious art here. You know, this mm-hmm. this could be, this if it was presented in a different context, it was more palatable to critics could be Academy right. award winning stuff, but it's so uh, uh, abrasive mm-hmm. that, that it's just always go, it's going to rankle too many people. But like there's individual scenes in this that are so, and like you were saying, he was trying to make adult cartoons and he was trying to also sort of write his own language of mm-hmm. of how you would portray like cartoons have all sorts of cartoony ways of of um portraying like, things yeah yeah physics and facial expressions and you know combinations of movements that that evoke certain things but now all of a sudden like in Fritz the Cat you see about four different ways of evoking cartoon characters being ashamed of their penis (laughs) realizing their penis is out and looking down at it or 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 getting told that their penis isn't big enough right and 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 it's that's something he had to communicate himself because there's no precedent for that in the cartoon world and uh and he does it you know It, it it's it's like a it's done as naturally as like a Disney cartoon or a Betty Boop cartoon or whatever, but it's, it's, um, portraying adult and sex, you know, mm-hmm. portraying sex in a cartoon where it just, just does it. And I remember 
as a teenager, we rented some like porno cartoons, X-rated right. cartoons, which, you know, the sex in it was about as complicated as two cutout characters that they just sort of let's push the parts together yeah. and stuff. But he had to make it cartoony and like how would the different animals, you know, and their tails and stuff like that. And he succeeded. And it it's bizarre. <laughs> and nobody's nobody's you know, he defined the language and no and it just went on to be not spoken by anybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, except Ralph Bashki. <laughs> it was yeah. the only one who wanted to speak. It's like Esperanto, you know. Somebody made yeah. up the whole Esperanto thing, and they made one movie in Esperanto, and, uh, <laughs> and that was it. Well, the whole world. Just... We were, were we're supposed to be speaking Esperanto right now. Yeah, yeah, we were supposed to, but fuck y'all. Um, it, it's just that I think that. animation it, we we've shut off everywhere else in the world animation is acceptable for adult themes mm -hmm. but not here in the united states yeah Even we've 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 what we consider to be adult cartoons are kind of infantile and puerile well i gotta say they're hiding them now in kids mm -hmm. cartoons yeah because there's kids cartoons out there that are you know i mean for years people there's been people who've made kids cartoons are like i gotta make this especially for movies i gotta make this yeah. palatable for adults but uh i've seen some uh like when i go stay at visit dario and mm -hmm. like you know his kids watching regular you know like cartoon network or something like that i watch stuff the, you know, we were watching one that was a little girl that was on a somehow some mysterious train in every car was like a different dimension that okay. she had to figure out, you know, that had a different set of physics and properties <laughs> and stuff. And it was using elements of qua it was it was some it was some good, good, solid science fiction using quantum physics ideas and right. ideas from like you know um, um magic you know Aleister Crowley's right. type magical stuff and 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 it, it was genuinely interesting as an adult and I'm like they're you know they're hiding it in there cuz there's you can now it's like can you make adult stuff that you can market down to children mm -hmm. so you can make it <laughs> So it's out there. It's just hiding. Yeah. It's but just not adult as in, you know, you're not going to get sex and violence. Right. And like, although Cartoon Network did, uh, you know, Adult Swim did pretty good with some some like Super Jail and stuff like that was pretty yeah, gory. See, with with cartoon with uh, with Adult Swim stuff, is it they're pretty like uh, when you say Adult Swim, I think of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. Which is just stupid. Yes, that was... I will say it. Come at me. No, no, I I was reading about the creators of that pretty much cop to... There was a lot of, like, what if we came up with just the dumbest concepts and dialogue and then sent it out to an animation house and mm -hmm. made them make it, 
you know, like almost like a vanity record or something yeah. recording. And that was, I don't think that's how they actually did it, but I think that was the concept behind it. I, I like, I liked some stuff on Adult Swim, but I also found Adult Swim was also like kind of try hard at mm-hmm. being like, we're adult because, so it was like, here's some gore and some tasteless stuff. Right. But it wasn't thought out like, say, Fritz, Fritz the Cat is a piece of thought Fritz out. Fritz the Cat is a piece of commentary piece of work and commentary it has something to say it's adult because it has what it has to say is adult and it's not being like i'm going to be a grown-up film it's like this is what i want to say i have to you have to see this and hear this for it to be you know in the wheelhouse of what i want to say right and and that's the that that's the you know it's i don't know if you know, I mean, he did set out to make an adult film, but it was right. just because he wants to discuss adult themes. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's like if, if you took uh, an average adult swim thing and took out like the naughty language, you could you could market it to kids. Right, right. It would be like a, a daytime Cartoon Network yes. show. Yeah, it's, it's has... a Cartoon Network show with with poopy cocky duty thrown yeah. in. Whereas Fritz the Cat is designed specifically to be viewed by adults, addresses adult themes, and assumes a, a level of intelligence. God, now I'm going I'm to get all the parents getting like, my kids are, are damn well fine intelligent, but you know what I'm talking about here, right? There, there, it's, there, well, there's not just intelligence to it. There's also like life experience to it mm-hmm. like you know there's 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 stuff in there that like you know there's psychosexual relationship mm-hmm. between the meth addict rabbit and his um, horse girlfriend was, was and he's abusive he's abusive yeah spike <laughs> spike and harriet yeah and and he's abusive he's a you know there's a whole um theme uh, yeah. of drug addiction and codependent relation you know where he, he holds the spike up, ding, and yeah. into the light, and she comes rushing back, you know. Mm-hmm. And to a kid, that's that would, you know, there's a lot to fill in there of what's going yeah. on. It, it would, it would be almost like horribly destructive to put that into a kid's mind because they wouldn't be able to symbolically parse what was going on. It would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and that that the, the actor who played that rabbit is a genius. It's such a it's such a great. It's almost like the Dennis Hopper role. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you you crazy cat! What are you doing in that garbage? Messing around in that garbage can? Ha ha ha! <laughs> it is just awesome. It's a lot. There's a lot of predatory relationships. Yes. In this. Well, film. yeah. I mean, and there's animals, so you have. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the first. R. Crumb pictures of Fritz the cat. He's got feathers around his mouth. You know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he picks up a girl, and then he's got feathers around his mouth. So only it amazed me though to realize that only four people apparently did the voices. Wow. 
because I, I was because I stayed around for the credits. And they only credited four people. So, um, but it's they they did do a sequel, which had it was not Ralph Boschke involved, if I remember correctly, and it's not very good. Nope. It, it's it. I remember being not interested in it because I it it was yeah it had it had neither R. Crumb or Ralph Bashke involved in it and I was just like how could this be any good right and then I saw it and they slavishly copied Bashke's style mm-hmm. and it was incredible I remember nothing about it I just remember mm-hmm. being like it's a it's a you know, it's the 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 third Xerox copy sort of Fritz the Cat. You know, right. it was it was not terrible, not memorable at all. I can't remember a yeah. single scene from it. Well, well, getting back to Spike and Harriet and Spike's friends, I felt a little prescient vibe watching those scenes, particularly when um, Fritz is driving with the, the lizard girl. And he suddenly realizes you're just in this to hurt people. Yeah, you're just you're just a you're just an ugly person who's yeah. who's found excuses to. Yeah, and it was like it was simultaneously skewering '60s radicals mm-hmm. and and kind of hitting a little bit. It was kind of mixing in a little bit of the Manson family vibe mm-hmm. of just like. Yeah, you guys are have gotten drug crazed, and now you're just cooking up ways to hurt people. Right. You know. And but, but what is the difference between that lizard lady and um, your average, I don't know, cop on the Rochester Police Department? Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, if if you want to go for cops, we got actual cops. Yeah. Funny interesting though that 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 the one that sounded the most authoritative authoritative was the rookie the yeah, one yeah, was yeah. The veteran was like Ooh. yeah yeah uh, but uh but boy what what a skewering of cop psychology in mm. there and it doesn't just go for the simple like yeah we like to beat heads although it does go for that yes but it goes into the like sexual aspect of like geez these hippie girls are hot and you yeah. know and well, maybe we'll get to see a naked, you know, the, you know, the stuff that actually the, the, it's very realistic (laughs) while being in a cartoon and making the cops not a hundred percent, not character. You, you, you identify it, 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 it humanizes them a little bit, you know, but it humanizes their human in an ugly way, but it, portrays their ignorance not as hatefully as it could you know right. what i mean they're 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 actual they're made into actual characters but mm. it also it it really like portrays the just like doofy ignorant of other human side to them and also the spiteful you know violent right. side of it and how like their insecurities lead to the i mean there's just that great scene of the cop getting thrown into the church service yeah. and firing out firing his gun out the window while his little 
little hangy pig dick just hangs yeah. down and then the whole place just erupts into laughter and he's just like oh and, and you yet, know through all with all of this like keystone cop buffoonery people are getting their heads blown off people get their no my, my point being is that he's setting us up to be to be laughing at these cops and then when they show up in force they're actually they're terrifying yeah yeah when it, it the, the, like when they bust into the the bathroom orgy mm-hmm. which is also a hilarious also has dialogue just a hundred percent from the comic you right. know yeah it's comic escapades even though there's shots being fired it's it's you know haha it's comedy hey i killed the toilet <laughs> yeah, yeah, police busting things up. Oh, and hi, hi, naked girl, duh, and blushing. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, fifteen, ten minutes later, it's a street riot, and 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 of course, like, off, uh, also, you know, and I mean, this is coming from, this is just, uh, artifact of American protest, mm-hmm. is, you know, white white people causing trouble in the in the cause of defending black people mm-hmm. you know fritz is out of his element in harlem and just starts getting on a car and breathing fire and stoking the yeah. the flames and what happens is his friend gets killed and the cops come and just start ravaging the ghetto you know whereas right. before it was just like business as usual everybody's playing mm-hmm. pool at the bar and fritz comes hey. in and then it's a it's a broken glass you know people are breaking bottles and stuff and he's just fueling it and and i mean even though that's a it's a predatory relationship between the the pool player and fritz he sees sense pretty quickly yeah you know when they're in the car and he's like let me drive let me drive yeah he's like no i know how to drive like a crow yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, Fritz Fritz is yeah, yeah, Fritz is completely unaware of his just like complete racism yeah. <laughs> in the whole situation. And <clears throat> this is something we easily discuss now. This was not how people were discussing yeah. it, you know, outside of maybe like academic circles, the, right. the 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 dynamics of racism and and white people. It was a lot more like for a better term black and white in those days in the media the way they would portray it you know the, right. they would portray, portray it as like look at this town of of white people being mean to this black family or something right. like that and this has well, this more they, complex dynamic yeah. to it that's way deeper into because the, i think once again and this is something i've actually had a, discuss, a lot of discussion with our friends is that our brain it's funny because for all the people who, who yell about oh horror films and this wreck your brain and make you want to do violent things it's not that but they do wreck your brain because they give you certain assumptions and one of them is there's a good side and a bad side black and white there's no gray and Basky is all in the gray yeah yeah you know but in fact fritz is a gray cat is he not oh yeah and yeah 
he with... literally is a gray cat, and he is totally, una- totally oblivious to the damage he is causing or the, the, the damage that is being caused by others to him. Yeah, no, he's just waltzing through it, you know. I mean, that, like, I mean, that you it's perfectly displayed in the beginning when he's when he's doing his schoolwork and he starts mm-hmm. talking about life and yeah all the, all the stupid i not stupid but you know all the ideas of 20 you know a young kid in college mm-hmm. i you know an idealist who's all up in the the times but also is completely as is their age up their own ass right and he just starts breathing fire and burns all his books. And then at the <laughs> end, he's like, and, but yes. then I'll fail. And then I have yeah. to go home and, uh, uh, which is totally a stream of consciousness that like somebody, like somebody that age goes through. And the thing is, if we are not, we were not that person during our college years, we knew that person. Yeah. Well, I, we were uh, that person adjacent if we were not actually that person for for my age like in the media mm-hmm. in in the 80s the 60s generation since it was boomers who were making the movies yeah. was very idealized hippies were just presented as sort of you know if if they weren't being portrayed positively they were just misguided but it was usually the hippies were like yay you know it was very pro like they were fighting the man and and all this and it was good for me to see at the end of the 80s something closer to the time period that was more critical of that that showed the the realistic aspect of the hippies is yeah, there were some wonderful hippies, but there were also just a bunch of partiers sure. who were like yes. going out to go going to get laid, you know, try right. to find out how they could, you know. I mean, he his whole speeches with, with the girls is I've traveled the world and laid many a good woman yes. and all this, and it's supposed to be this noble speech, and it's this just ridiculous narcissistic yeah. screed that he goes on to and. It's it's wonderful. You ne- you just never saw it outside of like our crumb car- yeah. <laughs> underground. The, and it's funny that our underground cartoons, which were like lionized as an artifact of and even the stuff like the Frab- fabulous Freak Brothers mm-hmm. was pretty much skewering hippies all the time. Right. You know, and but like look at it this way. I mean, our crumb was how old when he started doing his cartoons? Our crumb was not. He was older than the, than the people around him. This I know. This is my point. He was not in the. He was not a boomer. He was the generation before. And if you look back at 1960s representations of the hippie movement, and we'll probably do that at some point. Um. These are films being made by people from the quote-unquote greatest generation fuck y'all hair hair the yeah. you know the, the whole the whole idea of hair from stage production to screen <laughs> but the point the point being is that if you look at the representation of hippies in the in the, the 60s as it was actually going on um it, they look down on them there are films where they're used as villains there are films yeah 
Hell, there are cartoon shows. I don't know if you remember. This is because it was only on for one season. They did a cartoon show based on Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> no, I did not know it was, that. It was a filmation one. Oh yeah, no, I've seen ads for it in comic books. Yes, it was a it was a filmation, and one of the episodes took place at the I think it was the sixty seven World's Fair. Whichever one was, because there was one that that came back to um, in the sixties came back to Flushing Meadow Park, just outside my window, so to speak, and. Hippies were secretly villainous Soviet spies in that one. So, I mean, the thing is, and when we get to the 80s, people from the 60s who were kids during that time are interpreting the hippie mm -hmm. movement at that point. So the, the, the focus changes from them being a menace to being actually very sympathetic and also of course we're dealing with you know a time where uh, you know it's very conservative the 80s is a very conservative it's the, it's the years of reagan yeah so uh the, the counterculture uh at, at the time is of course going to embrace the opposite of what was basically and and Reagan was a boogeyman of the '60s too, when he was governor yeah. of California. So, yeah, it was a it was a because because it precludes the '70s. The '70s, like the late '60s and the '70s, like people talk about it being a like violent time right. now. This is child's play. What's happening in America now compared to the '70s? With like there were bo there were daily bombings by left wing. Mm -hmm. You know, groups, you know, they, I mean, there were, you know, there were, there were all sorts of, you, you had Patty Hearst was the, the, the shining example of what the hippie movement morphed into for the 70s. It right. was kidnappings and bombings and stuff. And it was happening a lot. And uh, that was, uh, so during the 70s, eh, people were too happy about portraying the but by the time my generation got to it it was the boomers were just like here here let the, let the sunshine in. <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's, abby ha you know or, you know jerry rubin pre this or you know the, the weird thing is that we may be as violent as we are now as we were back then the only difference is most of the violence is being perpetrated by people in authority. Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, I mean, they're saying, you know, there's protests in the street and the, right. you know, there's, and there is, there's protests the in the streets. Protesters are organized and they're sensible. It, they're not the ones waving the guns around, shooting, you know, shooting. Right, people. right, right. And yeah, and then the 70s, it definitely was the, the Symbionese yeah. Liberation Army and stuff that were, you know, the, the image was, was a le you know, I mean, a guy looking like Che Guevara with a, with a AK, oh, yeah. the, whatever the version of the AK was, and then strapped across his chest in a bank, you know, that right. was what was going on. You know, that's the, the, the thing is that you and that's what I, I am not looking forward to November, which is it probably will already pass by the time you hear this. 
<laughs> yeah, like, there's like there's like the five survivors are listening to this yes. <laughs> on a hard drive they found. <laughs> Somebody posted on Twitter yesterday. It's like, what happens if Trump decides not to uh, leave the White House after he's voted out on election day? And I, I wrote back to him and said, it's not a question of if. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, the, the script is already in place. Yeah. The, script, <laughs> and the thing is, I think. A lot of this stuff that we've you're, had. You're a writer. You know. You know where stories go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and a lot of the the stuff that we have seen, like the um, the gassing of protesters in Washington back in the 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 the, the presence of, of the military at some places. This is all to get us used to that, because martial law will be coming if we're not careful. It is going to be bad. It's going to be very. But anyway, isn't it funny that that, that that this network show about silly grindhouse movies is also its most political? No, it isn't silly because that just feeds into my my theory of um, you can be as artistic as you want, you can be as intelligent as you want with your movies and your art house movies and stuff. But the stuff that really speaks to what happens, you know, cultural society and that means the most is usually on the, the cheap end, uh, the cheap pop exploitive side, mm -hmm. because you need what's hot now in right. exploitation to do it. And and when, you know, it's, it, you and you don't have time to think it through and be like, let's, let's do a, in, you know, a serious, you know, type film about this, you know, something, something that, that you know, for better, lack of a better term, after school special type right. of, of thing. Stuff like Grindhouse stuff, when, when it finally gets put in the context of time, aka, you know, gets... 20 years behind it 10 or 20 years behind it all of a sudden those movies really become the touchstone for cult for what the real reflection of culture is what was really going on at the time because they had to grab it raw and right. and and distort it you know exaggerate it so it's right there but at the same time it's buried because you're just putting sex or violence or whatever aspect of it that's exploitive to get them in the, the theater. But and, that's where you get the idea in people's heads too, you know? Yeah. And perhaps the reason why things are so, why a certain faction of this country is so bald faced these days is because there's no counterculture. There's no way to have a counterculture these is, days because everything is absorbed into the culture immediately. We have killed, uh, starting, start, and I know you, I know you love this film, but starting in 1977 with a certain film done by George Lucas, um, I'd say it started. I, I'd put. I, I don't disagree I, with you. I don't disagree with you on that, but I'd say it started with uh, Spielberg and Jaws. I think Jaws set the stage for Star Wars. Um, 
I have had people argue with me that it actually starts with the Godfather. But I think we can mm. all agree that whether it is the, the, the first nail or the last nail in the coffin, Star Wars was a nail in the coffin. Because we started this drift away from confrontational cinema to the four walls, something for everybody. Well, I also think, you know, I, I think if Star Wars didn't do it, somebody else would do it because mm. I think it's almost a, uh, um, it's almost a product of the technology. Yeah. That, you know, once you got the technology to where, because the 70s were sort of this um, um, step forward in movies that were where realism was yeah. was valued and, and then when when you got to the point where you could yeah. couple realism with escapism to well, where escapism think, wasn't just like a back projected mm-hmm. something that you had to work as hard where you could immerse yourself in it because it was realistic but mm. the the content is is not fluffy, but it's, you know, it's, it's pure entertainment, you know? That's, well, that's the thing, is that um, you look at the 70s, you look at the, the, the films that were successful. The Godfather is not an easy film. No, it's when it you're is, watching The Godfather, very, you're working and you're feeling very, like you're watching a filmmaker film, you know? It is a very morally great film. Taxi Driver, despite what Todd Phillips thinks, go fuck yourself, Todd Phillips. I, he gets me. What so did much. he say about taxi? What? No, no. I, he, the Joe. If you've ever seen, if you saw the Joker, the Joker is basically Baby's first taxi driver. Yes. Yes. And it, it has none of the understanding of mental illness that that film has. Yeah, Taxi Driver was the first time that I watched something, mm-hmm. and that like later on in life. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh my god, I can identify, like I can see the Travis Bickle yeah. <laughs> in this person, you know? It's it it, yeah, 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 exactly. The um, thing is, is that is that that to me, Taxi Driver is a fairly realistic representation of mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder. And of mental illness. And part of the thing is that even though Bickle is a seething freaking volcano of rage, he hates everybody, but he wants he wants to save everybody. Uh, he is able to interface at least for very short periods of time with the real world. Right. And sometimes he will think he's interacting with the real world when he's really not. This is something that I had to learn was that I was thinking I was being going about my day normally. And I really wasn't. Um, and we can't have that anymore because we can't have ambiguity. It has to be clear cut. Mm -hmm. The Joker. I mean, it, it, and I also hate, I'm not going to get on this. I cannot get on this because we'll be here all day. But 
But the thing is, Taxi Driver was a morally complex film. The Deer Hunter, which was a major blockbuster, mm-hmm. was a very complex film. Now they do everything they can to remove the complexity from everything. And that and, and it, that makes me sad. And the, I think that the I know that I, all these 80s kids are going to be yelling at me right now. But the last really significant uh, period of, of American filmmaking was in the 70s. The 80s destroyed it. And it has never recovered. Uh, I think there's been, like, in the 90s, I was starting to get hopeful. But looking back on the movies that I was getting hopeful for in the 90s, I mean, don't get me wrong, some major awesome stuff happened in the 90s. But I don't, looking back at it, I'm not as... excited about it as i was in the 90s a lot of it hasn't aged well but like now we're in that we're in the post period Mm -hmm. of where the difference between cinema and tv is Mm -hmm. completely just blurred out Mm -hmm. now i think we're in a in a golden age of there's stuff i can't keep up with stuff that's so solid that it's on the fantastic level that I can't even dream to keep up on the stuff that's just good. <laughs> One of the <laughs> you know? things that is giving me hope right now um, in this time of plague, this, this is time when the world is literally dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer around me, is realizing that because we do not have the big theatrical machine going, People are finding smaller pictures and flocking to pictures that they like for for their own reasons, not because they've been told you have to watch this if you want to be part of the discourse. And I think what we're going to see when theaters reopen as a whole, not like AMC going, "Eh, here, you can come back in, is we might see the return to the middle ground. Because that is what's happened in the last 25 years, is that there used to be the big blockbuster pictures, which showed up in uh, in the summer and during the holidays, right, which were supposed to bring people into the theaters. Uh, you had the little tiny pictures, little art pictures, which would show up in little theaters for people who really wanted to see them. And then you would have the middle ground pictures. Pictures that maybe appeal to just one segment of the audience right but they're low budget enough to but they're low budget enough on that yeah to to make a profit but in the last 25 years we've seen the middle squeezed out completely there is no middle anymore there's just big and um and you know a small art house there's no in between and I, I hope, I'm hopeful that we're going to get the middle back because the middle is usually where the most interesting stuff happens. I think um, we're going to get. I, I, my opinion is, I think it's going to. Your cinemaplex is going to go be where you go to get pummeled. 
you know you go oh, to get you go to yeah. get it loud and so to drown out the the masses talking mm-hmm. on their cell phones right. you know your your avengers movies and your your big tentpole movies mm-hmm. and then i think the the other the other potent one will be curated theaters right like the alamo draft house mm-hmm. now that now that like it's unless you want to be a purist about it and have to see it on film. Right. You don't have to. The Alamo Drafthouse, if they want to show Big Trouble in Little China, they don't have to hunt down a print of it. Right. And rent a it's print there. of it. They can get they can get like a nice, you know, whatever Blu-ray copy of it is mm-hmm. is suitable for projection. Or they or they contact Universal owns that. Right. Whoever they whoever, whoever owns the rights yeah. to that, contact them. Have them send over a digital copy. Right, right, right. It's it's okay. It's, a hard drive that they could just stick into their their machine, yep. and show it in pristine HD 4K. Yep. Um. The the other the the thing also that that this present once again, unlike the la, unlike the, the the one with the glove. We're going off on this, these weird tangents, but we really like this movie. Um, yeah. Um, is that this reminds me of the of the state of movie making in the late 60s. The major studios put so much money into the what they call roadshow films. Big, splashy productions that they could open up around because that, that was this is before 1976 when uh jaws opened nationwide in the same day but they put so much money into the these these road shows that they didn't have any money for anything else and i think that's what's going on is that, that people are so busy putting in franchise 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 we want we want that it, 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 like i said but i think what we're going to get when we come out of this pandemic is we're going to have, hopefully, people have are used to choosing their own thing and saying, "Yeah, hey, I like this film. I want to see this lesbian coming of age story. I want to see this uh, movie about this movie, this historical movie," and their tastes will emerge differently. So the constant barrage is not going to work with them anymore. Yeah, and I think also one other thing we have to we don't haven't taken into account is the Paramount decision right now. You know what the Paramount decision is, right? The this is the one. It's sort of, um, it's 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 almost kind of a reversal. Yes. To where? Best. Yeah, yeah. I'll let I'll let you explain okay. it. Okay. We could not be talking about the films that Chris and I love if it wasn't for the Paramount decision. The Paramount decision, which occurred in the late 40s, I want to say, basically forbade movie theater, uh, movie production companies from owning the means of distribution. And this opened up the way for independent cinema to be able to be more widely accepted to be able to find yeah. a place to play <laughs> exactly because now they were now that they, now 
the an independent producer could compete with a major studio for the for that screen. Whereas in the old days, in the golden age of Hollywood, uh, MGM made a movie, distributed it to the MGM movie theaters, and that's all you yep. saw. And if you you were uh, not if you were a different movie theater and you, a different movie company and you wanted to put your movie there, you weren't allowed. So so this has been in in place since the 50s and it has create it created independent cinema basically in america and it allowed like a theater in a town yeah to pick out to to pick out what they knew what would do good in that town what exactly. you know it was more competitive mm-hmm. exactly you, you could you could find the find what works best for you so recently the department of justice has an, announced and of course the department of justice is part of the corrupt um apparatus that is the gop right now has announced that they were no longer going to enforce the paramount decision so theoretically Disney could come, if you have, like, one theater in your town, Disney could come in, buy that theater, and make it play only Disney Fox films. And there's nothing stopping them, because it's not a monop- It's not considered a monopoly anymore. Right, right. So, and you're stuck with that. See, what's messed up to me about this is... Mm-hmm. if. If you don't reverse it and you're just saying we're not going to enforce it, mm-hmm. and and this isn't something that I'm like, I'm like this is unfortunate. It's just a messed up artifact of it. Is that mm-hmm. like okay, say you're you okay, you're 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 the film company, you're Disney, waiting to yeah. to do what they what they're gonna allow you to do or look the other yeah. way during. That law is still in place. Yeah. So, so like Disney being able to do that might be you. Don't, you never know how it works with politics. Right. But say this administration is out, then there's a new admi- administration from the other party in there, and they decide they're gonna enforce it. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, you've built these theaters or you've set up this right. structure to do it, and then all of a sudden, four years later. And then four years later, there's another president who right. says, "Oh, you can, you, we're not going to enforce it again." It's like, why? If you don't change the law, it just sets up this thing where, yeah, I, I, where I they so. can they can they exploit it? I think with if confidence? they exploit it soon enough. <laughs> and I think that the circumstances we're in now with this pandemic having caused already unstable theater chains. To yeah. teeter on the edge of bankruptcy. Right, right. Will make it easy for a Disney, let's say, to take to, it over. To, right. To, to to come in and say, "We'll buy your theater chain." Yep. Coming soon, the Disney. You know, forget about the AMC Disney cinemas. Um. Yeah, but but then then you do that yes, and you do all the merger stuff to do that. Yeah, but they do it quickly enough. They might not have be able to have enough push to push back 
if they decide right. to enforce the law again. Right. So. <sighs> but yeah, but that's the thing is it's just messy. It's like, yeah, you, you think you just change the law or, or whatever, repeal the law. I guess it's too hard to repeal the law. It's just mm -hmm. easier to just say, OK, we won't enforce it. But. Yeah, geez, it's just. I, 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 on one hand, I, I'm sort of excited at what this society is going to look like after the pandemic is over, because I think that there are going to be changes in the way we view our yeah view our art and view other things because of what we've been through. But on mm -hmm. the other hand. I, I am scared that this is that, that that some of these changes are going to be, especially as I'm getting older. We're both older men, um, and I'm somebody who's disabled. I worry that it's going to be it's going to get very bad for me, very quickly. It's going to end up with us old guys. We find one guy who's got like the right space and you'll have clubs of people that just get together with a nice and buy a nice projector yeah. <laughs> and well, pop some popcorn and just like about, watch. We would like form senior gangs. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, like invade towns and like rav and like scavenge for stuff and then you know. Yeah. It would be movie fight clubs and stuff movie, like yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, this is, but I'm not surprised we've got so political in this one because this was a very political film and I think it still works as a political film now, even though I, we don't have hippies anymore. Or, um, it's, I don't know. It's funny though, back in the eighties and I thought that was the worst, right? Reagan, Reagan and his his crusade against AIDS and all that, that's the worst. But it's just like, it seems like every time we tolerate this is a sign for, for, for that type of far right to go, okay, we can go even more averse. So here's H.W. Here's, uh, Bush. That's not good. Oh, we can go even further? Here's a psychopath. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, it's I I like I. I don't know if it's a, a you know a result of the way we do society, but that ratcheting up, and yeah. you know, I mean. The, the 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 ratcheting up to me is a ratcheting up of the the distance between mm -hmm. you know the 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 distance between the split in mm -hmm. in the country because it it like you know okay a, a George W Bush and a Trump yeah. to people uh, on the, on the left hand side of the spectrum is a ratcheting up of the right and it's just like oh this is a, oh this is even awfuler you know, to whereas right. on on when you get on the rights perspective, the they they see the ratcheting up as being Bill Clinton to Barack Obama, you know, right. and so so like 
both sides are just both sides are ratcheting their their distance between them all the time and i think it's you know i think that's kind of the mindset of americans right i i always remember in the 90s just going like man what is our ex- obsession with extreme because there was just that time period where marketing picked up on everything extreme. needed to be extreme for us and and then then that did then it just sort of became unspoken and, <laughs> and extreme just became the norm right and, you know so it's just I, well, I think the, the other major problem we have right now is that we have now created a climate where it is possible to follow a reality that is not supported by reality. Yeah. Oh, of any kind. Yeah. Any, any flavor you want. If it it, it can be political, it could be it could be theological it could be mm-hmm. space alien anything if you want to if you know if you want to be a descendant of space aliens who right. speak through you you can find a group of people who will go like oh definitely dude that's what's happening with you and it's happening with me too let's talk about it and and nobody else understands it because they're not talking like we're talking yeah and this that's that in 2020 is not about right or left or fascism or and or socialism it is about reality and fiction yeah well that's the problem with america yeah, it <laughs> is. is but anyway america america has a foundational problem with 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 Why do I get the reality and it's fiction like- anyway so so it's just like yeah i i always picture us as i mean our society we want to um just if there's something that needs to be done or a need that needs to be filled there's something that you can go by mm-hmm. you know there's something that you can go by and right. fix it so when you have a lifestyle that's based on spending a lot of time keeping yourself going and doing that stuff when it comes time to discussing politics or sports or something it really like unless it's a hobby of yours unless it's something you're interested whatever subjects people are interested in they will go in depth to if it's a topic that you just have to talk to people in society about but you're not really that it's homework to do Mm -hmm. then it's easier to go shopping for you know, okay, I'm generally on this. I'm I generally consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. Right. And you can go out shopping for okay. This is what we're saying right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is this is how we feel about this, and this is what we're talking about on this. And you guys can go. Here's here's a bag full of of opinions on your side. Here's a bag full of opinions on your side. You guys can go throw throw them at each other and yeah. discuss amongst yourself and it's so and 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 uh, somehow i think it's just like fritz the cat i was about to say somehow i think ralph bashi would improve of this landscape right now because it's all about hate i would like to see ralph bashi's movie 
based in modern times, I don't think it's going to happen any, no, I anymore. I think he's kind of given up. Yeah, he's old now. Yeah. <laughs> he's old, and he's okay. always been... To make movies like him, you have to beat your head against the wall, and by all I, reports, I he he's born. also kind of a, a volatile person, yeah. personality, too, so... It's also probably hard to get work out of him. <laughs> I think he was born an old man, to be honest. Um, and I don't say that as a negative. Um, I always, I always pictured him as the old fighting marine guy. Yeah. You know, I'm still spitting nails. Yeah. Know. Screw you, screw you, kids. So yeah, so this is. Give me some dames. Even though this is an anomaly in that it is one of only a handful of animated films that would count as grindhouse pictures i do think it if you, if you are interested in this period it is essential to see yeah, it. it it's worth seeing don't see it on bad acid for your first time <laughs> and you'll 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 be a lot better off why do I get the feeling that we're going to get visited by the Secret Service the day after this is released? Well, luckily, this is all all the the, the days uh, thirty. This was, had to, be, yeah. It was it was it was it was more than thirty years ago. Now that yes. I think about it. <laughs> and I've I've paid my debt to society between. That now, as far as my drug use goes, but that's yeah. a story for another podcast. <laughs> so, um, there is, just, I just want to remind everybody, before we go away, that there is lots of other stuff. Um, most of it nowhere near as political as, our, as these podcasts are becoming. Um, if you are, if you love pretty much anything, you could probably find something for it here on Two True Freaks. Heck, we have Power Rangers. We have guys talking about nothing but Power Rangers. We've got, um, you know, the Jack and Eddie brothers are, are putting out, you know, kaiju and old school monster movie stuff. You know, Chris with the with the Jack and Eddies and our good friend Chris Tyler. Are, are is doing are doing a horror are you going to be doing another anthology uh this this october we don't know what we're going to do for for halloween yet this okay. october yeah no we're we're getting together next week i think okay. so we we will prop halloween will probably be uh uh since it's now september halloween will probably be a uh a uh an important discussion okay so there, there, there are Star Wars podcasts. We don't have any Star Trek podcasts though at the moment. There are not run, not running. That, that, but I'm yeah. working on that actually. Oh wait, no, is this, isn't Listen to the Prophets still running? Mm hmm. And that is, that is you a, are so right. How could I have forgotten that? Yes, that's we have Star a Deep Trek Space podcast. Nine. We've got podcasts on comic books. We've got podcasts on literature. So go to two true, the Two True Freaks Network, check them out. Uh, actually, a, 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 a podcast that would be like good, con, like comparison, not comparison, but a good go along with this one is uh, Paul Spataro's Is It Jaws, where 
every mm-hmm. week they do them that and star trek is what reminded me of that because they recently just did star trek the motion picture right. and rating it on a jaws scale and mm-hmm. and i i just like the concept of they rate the movie on whether it's jaws one through four right so um so guys try to take care of each other be safe because i want to have an actual minions to rule when i take over the world yeah, really. If the, if everybody wipes themselves out, then you know it takes the all the joy out of it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it would just be me and Virginia. What would we do? Repopulate the earth. <laughs> Chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and as for you, next, what what do I? I gotta take a give me a second while I take a look at our usual our docket our docket so we'll see what is next on the docket for uh next month although uh and there there is something else coming really big from the two of us and that's all i'm going to say right now although it might actually have happened by the time it might have yeah (laughs) usually the big events take the phase in before the actual phases so okay so we did fritz the cat so the next one up, oh, uh, is Candy Stripe Nurses. Oh yeah, some some good old fashioned rude sexploitation. And until then, my friend, I only one thing to say to you, which is go. Our website at two true freaks.com. Two true freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. Two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks.
sock it to me?